Blog Talk Radio. Saturday, October 4th, 2014, and you are tuned in to our first Pet Spooktacular episode of The Misty Show. We're your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and once again, I've got my pet partner in crime, Dee, on board with me. <laughs> How are you enjoying this beautiful fall day, buddy? Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, Jay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody British today or not. I don't know. You just never know how I'm going to greet you, Jay. You just be prepared. I'm, I'm sensing there's some sinus medication in your system right now. Yes, I do. I have tons of it in my system right now. We are we are battling sinuses. It happens when the the seasons change, and we are. Not that we really have season change here, but we just kind of had it. So my sinuses kind of jump on board, and I don't know what they're doing right now, but they're kicking my butt. But we are going with it. <clears throat> yes, I must say you are a trooper. You know, our, our listeners, they may not know this about you, Dee, but you are a trooper because <laughs> I I have told you time and time again, you don't have to do it. We can reschedule. But this young lady, she just keeps on going. We're doing this show, doggone it. It's 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 it's, it's October spectacular. Exactly. Exactly. And we've been waiting on this. This this is our time. It's fall. It's a beautiful day. It's cool outside. It was so pleasant this morning. I I was actually shocked. I walked out this morning because of course you know every Saturday morning is People that don't know me <laughs> know that I have my wing woman, my mother with me, and we are on our way to where at early 6 o'clock in the morning? Walmart. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so when we stepped out this morning, the wind kind of said, hello, welcome to fall, or at least as much fall as you're going to have. And it was, like, great. I love it. Yeah, we actually had to put on a jacket. I know, right? I love that. I'm ready for boots. You know I'm ready for boots. You oh, already- yes. Yes. You already know I'm there. I'm, this year it's going to be boots and, and, and blazers. I don't know how that's going to happen, but B&B is going to be my thing this year. Well, I, however it happens, I know they're in your future. They're in my future. Before Almost. we continue, I just wanted to wish a belated happy birthday, happy sixth birthday to my beloved cat, Missy. Happy belated birthday, Missy. Happy belated birthday, Missy. She turned Woo! six years old on yesterday. And I actually gave her a lot of birthday wishes on Twitter and also on um, Facebook yesterday. But just to give her a belated shout-out on the show, she's six years old, and she is my baby who inspired this show. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. <laughs> cool. Well, as we mentioned earlier, today's episode is the first in our Pets and the Paranormal series, which is all a part of our October Pet Spooktacular that I've been looking forward to since we did our Pets and the Paranormal episode back in April. That was the original episode that inspired this series that we're doing now. And today's topic is going to be Psychic Pets. Um, this episode is a continuation of the topic that we started back in April, but we're going to delve a little deeper this time. Um, for anyone who would like to join in today's conversation live, you may call us at 347-838-8313, or you can listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a tortie, and that's S-H-E-S-A-T-O-R-T-I-E. You can also check out our Facebook page after the show at facebook.com forward slash missy.show44 for any further information on today's topic. Okay, um, on to today's show, Psychic Pets. Psychic Pets. Um, psychic Pets. I know it sounds so mystical. Psychic well, you know, Pets. You know what I want to do, Jay? I want to define psychic yeah, I'm so glad because I had a definition written down too, but you go ahead. You do that. You can do yours if you want to, Jack. <laughs> no, I want you to do it. I'm just glad we both came prepared. You know what? I always give us that definition. 
Yes, my definition that I have is, okay, the definition of being psychic or psychic. Being psychic is having the ability to obtain certain information or influence matter in ways that defy all conventional explanations in short processing extrasensory perception, which is ESP. Mentally influencing matter is a form of ESP called psychokinesis. Yes, that's scary kind of stuff. Yeah, honey, right? Don't, whoa, don't even get me started with that. Love that show, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a little far out there. So think of all of that and apply it to pets. <laughs> that would be creepy. It was creepy. <laughs> that, that might kind of go into next week's episode. I don't know if that's the one where we're going to be, like, talking about hellhounds and all that kind of, either that's next week or that's the week after. But I, I know we'll be kind of diving off into um, non-traditional sort of, the, the, the way we think about animals will be in a non-traditional sort of way. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. But this is going to be good, too. This is going to be good, too. Yeah, the, all of these episodes in the month of October are going to be interesting because they involve just subject matter that I've always found fascinating. Yeah, this is cool. I like this. Now, I've got so much information here. I'm trying to go through and see where I want to start. If you've got any of yours more together, Dee, you're welcome to dive on to what part of Psychic Pitch you want to talk about. Well, a lot of my information kind of came from this one uh, scientist biologist. His name is Rupert Sheldrake, and he was the author of Dogs That Know When Their Owner Is Coming Home. I love that title, first of all. Love that title. I think I might want to even get that book. And he believes that animals have perceptive ability of telepathy and premonition. Sheldrake studied animals' psychic abilities and explored those pet psychic abilities in an article he wrote entitled The Unexplained Powers of Animals. Um, in the article, he stated some statistics. And according to a recent random household survey in England and the USA, Many pet owners believe that their animals are sometimes telepathic with them. An average of 48% of dog owners and 33% of cat owners said that their pets responded to their thoughts or silent commands. And many horse trainers and riders believe that their horses can pick up on their intentions telepathically. So, um, and he's just like, he's a big, he's done so many studies and, and, and written so many books on that whole thing of, you know, Sometimes when 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 your pet or or your whatever um, like I just with just specifically speaking on my part I can remember with Boomer it's just sometimes and it wasn't even a thing of where he because sometimes I think maybe and he he alludes to this also in some of his articles where they might pick up on your your body language or your your mannerisms and why what's happening even with Boomer though sometimes I swear to you, and I don't know what it is or what it was about, but I could sit there and I could be looking or I could be thinking about him, and he would be in the other room, and I could be thinking, you know, what what he's doing? What What is he doing in there? He's mighty quiet. Is he being okay? Is he being, and then all of a sudden, he would just kind of come to me. And I'm like, well, you must have known I was thinking. And I would always say, you must have known I was thinking about you. And he would just come to me and just kind of sit there and be like, what? You want me what? And I'm thinking, and it never really, like, dawned on me that maybe he was picking up on me, you know, sending something out to him in some kind of way, or maybe he was picking up on something that, you know, I don't know. But he would come to me sometimes without me having to call him. But I was thinking about him, and he would kind of be in a different place, but he would just kind of show up sometimes, and I'm thinking, well, how did you know I was thinking about you or whatever? So I don't know if that kind of ties into it or not. Maybe it does. I'm not sure. I think it does. What Something that I found interesting, I guess, looking at it from both sides, because I do believe that there is something to it, but then there is also um, evidence or, or people out there that feels like more so than it being something extrasensory, um, what if it's just more that because their senses are more keen than ours, exactly. like say there are certain pheromone changes that perhaps happen, like, say, in your body, that he, because his sense of smell is so keen, he could pick up on just, like, a change in your pheromones or just something where when you are in a happy mood or you're thinking about him, he senses that change. He can sniff it 
and it, really that's what's bringing him to you more so than that he's picking up on something psychically from you. And that could be it because, I mean, with him, I mean, well, of course we all know that dogs, you know, their 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 senses and things are so many times higher than ours, and they're able to pick up and smell and, and hear things so many more um, more deeper than we can. And I think with him, even with him, because our connection, and they also allude to, you know, people having the connection with, if you bond with that animal and you have that connection with that animal, it's even more so. And with he and I, I mean, he was, like I tell you, he was my, my child. He was my son. And from the time he was a puppy, I mean, I raised him from when he was, you know, before he could either see or hear or whatever, and he would just always be on me. He would be attached to me in some kind of way. So I don't know if he saw me as his mother or not. I'm not really sure, but I think so. We were so connected. It was just, it was weird because I swear to you, it's not so much that I could know what he was thinking, but I can know, I don't know if you can know when a dog is happy or, or feel when he's happy or feel when he's confused or feel when he's just, you know, but I could feel that with him. And he would know with me when I was just not, if I was sad or if I was just having a bad day, he would just do something different. It took even, and, and it would pair up with what I was going through. If I was happy, he was just happy too. And if I was sad or about something or whatever, he came and he would put his little face on my, I mean, and this is just not me, you know, even being, he would just come by and he would come and put his face on my leg and he would stay closer to me at that, those times or whatever and give me extra attention in a way that it was just different from what he normally would. And normally if somebody else was going through something. So I don't know if that, I, I, I kind of think it was because we were just connected that way. So I, I, I think so too. I, I mean, because, I mean, there are even times with you and I where I'll be like thinking about you or something and then you'll call me or vice versa, and you know, know. And, and, and there's no way I can sense your pheromone change or anything like that. So, I mean, that that's why I do think it's possible. But, you know, I am open to the fact that maybe in some cases there is just a logical explanation for it. Just that yeah. could be a possibility. Um, because, oh, go ahead, B. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, that could be it. Because in, in one article um, they go on to say um, – your pet's so-called sixth sense may simply be the result of his keen hearing, exceptional nose, and a dog's eye view on the world that allows him to sense small movements that escape our attention. A dog's senses are keener and different than ours. His eyes detect more delicate movements. His sense of smell is 1,000 to 10,000 times more sensitive than a human. He can hear much higher frequencies and at four times the distance of a human with normal hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, they also go on to say that wild and domestic animals, including dogs, seem to sense the impending. They they seem to sense the impending Indian Ocean tsunami in 2004, displaying their distress with behavior changes and vocal warnings, and either ran for cover or refused to go outside. Some experts believe they could sense vibrational changes on land from impending, uh, from the impending earthquakes before humans could. And I can believe that, too, you know, that, that maybe because they're so in tune with um, their senses more so than we are that maybe they can even sense slight vibrational changes that, you know, we are ignorant to. Yeah, and, and you think about it because um, um, the scientist Sheldrake, he, he kind of he alluded to so many different things, and he also alluded to that, the whole earthquake thing of, of you know, them being able to sense it. And, and, and when that stuff happens, there's a lot going on in the earth inside the, the core of the earth or what have you, and there's sounds that possibly could be emitting from that that they can hear, you know, that they can actually hear going on or they can sense or feel it's going on, which would make them be like, hey, something's happening. You know, something's happening. We need to get out because what was it, 2004, that tsunami when that happened? And they said that um, a lot of the animals left prior to that. You know, a lot of people unfortunately perished. But a lot of the animals and different things like that were out of harm's way because they left way ahead of time. Right. So it's very it's, smart. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, just you know what? If you see a lot of animals heading to a certain a certain direction, you might want to follow them. <laughs> yeah, you might want to go with them. And you know, something would have been interesting too. I wondered did any animals since the Katrina disaster, that hurricane. No I wondered did any of them. 
I thought about that too. Wouldn't that would have been like a great kind of well, you know, because you know, with and I've witnessed this with Boomer, and I don't know if you witnessed it with Missy or not with the hurricane we have here, but he acts differently. When we have a hurricane that's coming and it's coming our way, because when Katrina came, you know, we were all here and we didn't evacuate, we didn't leave because we couldn't find our um our vet uh didn't board anymore. So and we weren't going to leave him here by himself. And a lot of, you know, we're one of those people where the people, you don't evacuate because you, you don't have a place, you can't take your dog. You know, and we just didn't, so we stayed here. And with him, you do notice him. He, he was a little bit more agitated. He was a little bit more nervous. He knew something was going on. And I don't know if he was picking up on us because we became more agitated and nervous or if he was picking up on it prior to that. So exactly. I I don't I don't know how to, you know, kind of pare that down, but he 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 definitely knew. He definitely knew something was going on. He, you know, when it was actually going on, things were happening, he kind of vegged out a little bit. But um but he stayed right where we were. He didn't go off by himself. He wherever we were, he was there, and it was almost as if it was like, okay, something's happening. I know something's happening, and we all need to be aware. <laughs> he was like Hey, there's stuff going on outside, people. Don't go out there. And see, with Missy, of course, we didn't have her at that point, but um, one time when we had a tornado warning going on, and I think I told you about this story, that we were, um, me and my husband, we were, like, sleeping in the middle of the night. I I don't know how we found out about the, the tornado thing or somebody called us a relative or whatever, but we hopped up. And I think my husband, he got the call, and he got up first, and he woke me up, and I was, like, in a dead sleep. And I thought he told me that, like, a tornado was, like, upon us, like, about to tear up the house, literally, and we needed to get out. So I jumped up panic, panicking and everything. And at this point, we had Missy, and Missy was just in a panic, and she was just running all around. But that's one of those things where I can't honestly say whether or not she sent something independently of me or whether my panic caused her to panic. So I think in that particular situation, she could have been reacting because she saw that something was wrong with me, and she could sense my fear, and so that made her get nervous. Yeah, and 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 that could be, and that's one of the things where you're not knowing if it's because if you're not paying attention to them before, prior to you becoming, you know, whatever, you're getting your having your sensories heightened by whatever it is that's going to make you nervous, and you don't know. You only know after. You're nervous, and then you look at them, and they're like, what's wrong with them? You don't know if that was happening prior to you, and you just didn't pay any attention of finding out what was going on or what was coming or what have you, or, you know, they were just feeding off of your energy. Exactly. But so, I mean, it, it's very fascinating, you know, either way. But I, I, I saw another thing um, here where they're talking about dogs in particular, but it says, can dogs sense the supernatural? Um, and it goes on to say, as for a sixth sense connecting to the supernatural or paranormal, pet psychologist Marty Miller believes that both dogs and their owners possess one. But humans judge or deny what they are feeling, says Miller. Dogs don't judge what is going on in the environment. While our own mind starts to analyze what is happening, dogs don't do that. They feel the barometric pressure change, and they react by shaking, panting, salivating, and feeling anxious, or they may not react at all. Miller says dogs' varying reactions to a shift in the atmosphere or unrecognized sound or movement can stem from early traumas such as being caught in a rainstorm, hurricane, etc. Um, for dogs, sensing the supernatural is natural because they don't judge it. People can see auras or spirits, but they either don't believe they exist or think that if they do exist, we can't see them. And I, I thought that was really fascinating because it tied into something that I was thinking about anyway. And some of my thoughts about that was that maybe we as people, and um, animals are ahead of us anyway, and it's just the fact that their senses are more keener, but another thing that puts them on a um, higher field than us, I feel, in that department is the fact that they don't have language. And in that sense, you would think that that limits them, but I think language limits us more because for everything that we experience, 
we're always judging. We're always constantly dealing with mental chatter. We we have all this stuff going on in our heads where we can never just experience the present moment just purely as it is. So we can never fully just connect with nature because we have this constant commentary going on in our heads. Yeah, so and we're trying to explain it. We're trying to explain it. Right, right, and and just even if you if you meet somebody for the first time, there there's constant judgment. This person is pretty. This blah blah blah. This situation is bad. This situation is good. Whereas for animals, there is none of that. They they don't have that constant chatter going on. So when they walk into a situation or they're meeting a person or whatever, they can just have a pure experience without all the extra judgment. And I think that limits us because we can't ever just experience just have the full-on experience. We have the, the past and future. We're constantly worried about something that's going to happen in the future or regretful about something in the past, and animals don't have that. Exactly, and that's one of the reasons why I love animals, because you get that pure, un, you know, it's, 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 it's not filtered. It's, it's completely pure emotion, you get a completely, you know, there's no judgment in it, and so they get that. Whatever they feel, that's what they're feeling. There's no trying to explain it or you got to, you know, censor part of it or this or that. You get the pureness of it. And that's why I truly believe that they have, you know, that ability to pick up on certain things. Mm-hmm. To me, animals are like walking mindfulness meditation. Exactly. And I don't know if most of our listeners are, like, familiar with mindfulness meditations, but it's just about being fully present in the present moment, and and you're you're as present as you can be without all the mental chatter. But even if the mental chatter comes, then you pay attention to what's being said in the mental chatter, and you don't get confused by thinking that that chatter is you. You understand that there's a separate, pure part of yourself that exists independent of the chatter. You can just take the present moment perfectly as it is, and I think that's what animals are, that they represent that in its purest form. Well said, Jay. Well said. (laughs) I I didn't mean to turn it. In, in, into that, but but to me, that's what but they are. They're like walking mindfulness meditations when you see an animal. True though, because I mean, I just I have a I don't have a connection, but animals to me are just very very pure in their being. They are very pure in their nature. We we I don't think we've even tapped into half of the stuff that they are capable of because we as human beings have to understand it and kind of you know instead of trying. Well, I mean. That's just how we are. We have to. It has to be logical, and we have to, you know, this and that. And you have to completely kind of just be free to the notion of this is. It's like when 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 I was with Boomer, if he was happy, he was happy in that moment of being happy. That was the fullest of happiness that he could be. I mean, he was just happy. There was no in between it, or there was no outside in this. It was pure in that moment. And with us, like exactly what you're saying, we have to filter in the background chatter or if this moment is coming to us, if something's happening, okay, well, this is probably because of this or this is probably because of that or this, you know, we, we, we have to filter in all of these different things. And with them, it's mm-hmm. solely in, connected into that feeling, into that moment. All the time. I know myself because I'm I'm constantly, you know, having that internal chatter where I'm thinking about, well, why did I do that yesterday? Why did I do that 10 years ago? Why did I say that? Well, how am I going to accomplish this in five minutes? And, and it's like you, you are rarely just able to be present. And animals do that so perfectly. They, it, and there's no question to it. And it, it, it's understood. It's just one of those, it's just understood. For them, This is this is how it should be. I mean, I guess if you could put that on a lot of people, it would just be in some situations it would be a lot it would be a lot better world, I think. It would just be a whole be a lot better world in some things, I guess. I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's okay. I'm bad about that because I'm going to a whole different side. Let me not even go there. Let me not even go there and leave that alone. Yeah, you know what, We if we ever get our other potential radio show up and running, that, that can be a topic for that. Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, um, Sheldrake, like, um, he had 
a lot of different, like all the stuff that I was reading, because I, I just really want to get some of his books, because he, he studied a lot about the whole thing of the psychic abilities of animals and everything. And he touched on this one particular thing, which was like the different instances. And I love reading his certain instances he had. And he, he spoke about um, companion animals and some of the things that they would do to kind of, that would make you think, how do they know this? And one particular, he had so many different ones, but um, one particular one he said, some companion animals even seem to be able to tell when a particular person is on the telephone before the receiver has been picked up. Wow. And he, he brought an example, um, this particular example, that when the telephone rings in a household of a noted professor at the University of California, Berkeley, his wife knows when her husband is on the other end of the line because Whiskins is their silver tabby cat, rushes to the telephone and paws at the receiver. Many times he succeeds in taking it off the hook and making appreciative meow sounds that are clearly audible to her husband at the other end. Um, if she also says that if someone else's, if it's someone else's, if someone else's telephone, Whiskin takes no notice to it. So, because I was thinking, was well, it just that when the phone's ringing? But she says if somebody else calls, it's, it's she doesn't move. It's not even a thing of where she's even paying it any attention. It's just when her husband calls. Wow. Which is like you know, I'm like, okay, so how does this? How how does Whiskin's know this? How does Whiskins know that this particular phone call is a call from the husband? And then another thing I'd be curious curious about is, is the phone call coming at the same time every day or is it different yeah. times, I wonder? Yeah, is, is Whiskins picking up on, is Whiskins picking up on just, you know, because like they say when, when animals know when you're coming home. Because right. you know, dug into that as well. When When you're coming home, is it because they know at this particular time that this is the time that you're coming home, so they know to go sit by the door because they just feel, you know, this is the time that you're coming home. He did a study. I don't know if I can find it in all my notes or whatever. But, yeah, he did a, um, he did a study, and one of the studies, he, 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 he kind of outlined that there are three major categories of mysterious percept- perceptiveness, as he called it, which is telepathy, the sense of direction, and premonition. And the particular one where... It talks about the the knowing that the owner is coming home kind of falls under animal telepathy, which he says is a psychic connection that some pets may have with their owners through connections. Sheldrake call morph he calls this morphic field, and it is the ability that enables pets to know when their owners are on their way home. And he alluded to this uh, study that they did because this particular lady contacted him. And it was a study done on an adopted uh, puppy named JT. So Sheldrake investigated in detail a terrier called JT who belonged to Pam Smart in Ramsbottom, I think that's what it's called, Ramsbottom, Greater Manchester. Pam adopted JT from the Manchester's dog home in 1989 when he was still a puppy and soon formed a close bond with him. In 1991, when Pam was working as a secretary at a school in Manchester, she left JT with her parents, who noticed that the dog went to the French windows almost every day about 4.30 p.m. and around the time around the time she was set to leave and waited until she arrived some 45 minutes later. She worked routine office hours, so the family assumed that JT's behavior depended on some kind of time sense. So Pam's, her schedule changed in 1993 where she no longer was tied to any regular pattern of activity. Her parents did not usually know when she would be coming home, but for some reason, JT still anticipated when she would come home. It, it wasn't the same time that she would come home, but he, for some kind of way, he would know when he she would come home. Wow. See, it sounds like there's something to it to me. I mean, probably a, a total skeptic would say, no, there's a logical explanation for it, but I, I think there's something to it. It is. You know, they, they went on, um, what did they say? Let's see, in 1994, Pam, when she contacted, because all this was happening prior to her contacting Sheldrake, so this is how this study actually became a part. So in 1994, Pam read an article about Sheldrake's research and volunteered to take part 
and an experiment. And in more than 100 experiments, Sheldrake videotaped the area by the window where JT waited during Pam's absences, providing continuous time-coded records of his behavior, which was scored by a blind third party who did not know the details of the experience. That JT was not reacting to the sound of Pam's car or familiar vehicles. He investigated whether he still anticipated her arrival when she traveled by unusual means. She, they tried it by bicycle, they tried it by train, they tried it by taxi, and he did. He was still able to pick up on it each time. They also carried out experience in which Pam set off at times selected at random after she had left home, communicated to her by means of telephone pager. In these experiments, JT still started waiting at the window around the time Pam set off, even though no one at home knew when she would be coming home. The odds against this being a chance effect were more than 100,000 to 1. JT behaved in a very similar way when he was tested repeatedly by skeptics anxious to debunk his abilities. So either way, JT was on it. JT just he knew when she was coming home. And, and you know what, that also made me even think about um, that strong connection um, that you were talking about a couple of episodes ago um, when we were doing heroic pets about what's a dog named Hachi and when yes. his owner died and, and he kept coming. But then here's the other thing, though. I, I guess the flip side to that would be I wonder why the dog didn't, like, know that his owner was deceased. You would think with such a strong bond between them, I, I wonder why the dog didn't pick up on that. Pick up that he was he was already gone, that he had passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe it speaks to the thing of where they don't connect. Maybe we think they're connecting to the living us. And, and this is just something personal in my opinion. You know, I just believe that, you know, we are here, but we encompass souls that don't die. And if it's possible for them to be connecting, and again, I say these are my thoughts, and, you know, people, you can believe how you want us to believe, but I just believe that the physical us dies, but the soul us lives on, and maybe they connect with that soul us. So they're still feeling, maybe it's not that they're just connecting with the physical us, but they go deeper into the soul us, and that they, when we go on, they still feel us, because we're I truly believe we still are here. We're just here in a different form. You know, our energy is here. Maybe they, that's maybe that's it. Maybe they connect with the energy of us. So when our body, you know, is no longer here physically, the energy of us leaves our body, and they're still connecting with that energy. And perhaps even our energy, our essence, is it still exists just on a different dimension, different plane. And I've even read certain things that, that sort of um, indicate that, people on the other side or what we consider the other side, it's actually here in a way, but by it being on a different plane, a different dimension, our senses as the living, we can't process that. But animals, perhaps, they can see because we can only see a certain amount of the visible light spectrum. There's only so much that we can see, but certain animals can see beyond what we can. They, They can see on a range of the electromagnetic spectrum that we can't see. Exactly. Or sense. So... So perhaps maybe it is that that um, people who have passed on very much all around us, and maybe even other entities or whatnot. If you believe in that, and 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 I do, but animals can pick up on that, just like how you say that Boomer would be picking up on certain things, and he'd just be barking and reacting to something that y'all just couldn't see. It's just, I mean, it's, I mean, well, I've spoke about this before. I, you know, we live in this home that that things happen. I don't know how to explain how they happen. We've all accepted that they happen. We've never felt threatened by things happening in this house. And when we brought Boomer into the home, it was as if he kind of picked up on it too. But his picking up on it was like more so than ours. I mean, he went, and there would be times where his hair would just stand up. Or we would walk into certain rooms, and it was if he was just being played with, with from something, some presence. They were playing. They would, they would just, if they were bouncing the ball from one end of the thing, and he was the same reaction you would get if you were bouncing that ball, that same facial expression, the happiness, the attentiveness, where he's zoning in on you and that ball, 
And I'm like, what the crap is going on in there? Because there's a game happening, but there's only one person. <laughs> and he would be involved in that, you know, and I I wouldn't mess with it because, like I say, I did, with the things that go on in this home, I've never got any kind of bad feeling or bad energy from it. I don't think any of us have ever gotten that, and so we don't mess with it, you know. It's been going on for a very long time. If we don't mess with it, we've never gotten any bad thing. We just let it happen. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. But um, so um, with him, it was just a thing of he, you know, he just would pick up on these things, and for him it would just be he would see certain things, like we have a specific mirror and walking into the front of our house, the little foyer, and that mirror was like, I don't know if it was a portal or what, but that mirror was just something he would zone in on, and I don't know if they would just tease him from that mirror or what they would do, but he would sit there sometimes hours just barking at that mirror, and you would try to take him out and bring him out of there so you could get him to stop barking, but he would just go sit by the door and want to go back in there, and as soon as you open the door, he would bust in there, and he would go sit and bark at that mirror. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I just don't know what's happening. And you would have to think there would be no reason for him to just be acting like that, just, no, just no, this, to be doing it, you know. This is specific. This is not something where he's just barking, but because if it was just he wanted to bark in that room, he would go in that room and just sit and bark. He sat and faced that mirror. It was if, if he saw something, he felt something in the direction of that mirror. Anytime you bring him out, you close that door. He would sit by the door. You let him go back in. He would go sit back by and look at that mirror, and I'm just like, okay, all right, well, there you go. You just have at it, and <laughs> you know, just do whatever it is, and we'll kind of just close them up in there and let them go, you know, and <laughs> just let them go. But it was, I don't know if, what, what would be happening, but we would always say that there's one that would just play with him, and they would have a ball, but it, but it was always centered, and where we get most of our activity is in, um, I'm giving all this information, but... Um, most of our activity comes from um, our living room. So it's centered kind of in there, and that's where he would have most of his, his moments, so to speak. And once again, just like that, I was reading because for him, he wasn't trying to explain anything away or whatnot. You know, he didn't have the language for that, so he was just experiencing just just the pure essence of whatever it was without trying to rationalize it and without all the, the thoughts and stuff that cover up a lot of our experience so he could just feel it purely. And there are some people who can do that, but I think babies and small children are better at it than adults. Yeah. Like once we become older, you know, it's it's like there's no such thing as ghosts or no, you, you're not supposed to be seeing that. Only crazy people see things or hear things that aren't there, blah, blah, blah. So we've kind of learned to block a lot of that out, you know. But there are, I do believe that there are some adults who can still see things. Yeah, I, I, tr- I truly believe in it. I mean, it's just my personal opinion, but I just truly believe because I believe that we are energy, you know. We, we possess a, a, a living energy. And that energy, if you're able to pick, that's what they're picking up on is that person's energy. That's why I think with with Burma, he's picking up on that that energy of whatever that is that's there, whether it's good or bad or what have you. And and when people are able to see people that have gone on, you know, what they're picking up on is that energy that person possessed while they were here. And since that physical is not here anymore, it's just that energy that they're picking up on. Yeah, because basically everything is energy, even all of us that are still here, even the chair you're sitting in, everything is just energy. You know, you just don't see it that way because I read that our senses process things so slowly. That's why everything seems as though it's solid, like the chair you're sitting on, the house you're in, but nothing is really solid. Exactly, exactly. So when you look at it like that, it kind of makes sense that, well, okay. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay. It's it's just one of those things where, and I guess it's just how you choose to believe whatever. But I just truly believe that, you know, like like you say, the little kids because they are so pure in their reception and their comprehension, where I think they they cut out that off. They don't have all the things that clutter up mm-hmm. their mind. It's very very pure. It's very singular, and it's you know one minded in, in so to speak. So they're able to connect into it. So sometimes I think when when other energies, if you believe in that, come back or, or come into the realm that they might be in, 
they're able to connect to it right away. They they can connect to a child as opposed to someone else that's older that has all this clutter, you know, that's there. I fully believe it. I had an experience as a kid. That's not for this show because this show is about pets and the paranormal. But as a young child, I did see something. Can't see anything anymore. And I thank God for that. Don't want to. But as a young child, I was able to see something. And I've had family members, you know, small children in the past, you know, who were able to see stuff. I don't think they can see it anymore. But, you know, I I truly do believe that young children can because I, I did actually. See, I, I you don't want to hear my stories. <laughs> you, know, you know where I live, so you don't want to hear my stories. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. That we'll save that for that other show. Oh yeah, uh, we, we will we will save that for another show. Even though it is the appropriate month for it, but we will save that for another show. But on a lighter note, on the <laughs> other side of the coin, there are those um, animal prodigies. So it seems that turns out that there is a logical explanation or or maybe it's the human who has the animal doing this particular trick or kind of pawning them off as being, you know, special in ways that they aren't, you know, it's really the human, you know, doing it for whatever reasons. Um, I don't know if anyone has ever heard of um, a horse named Clever Hans. (laughs) What was that first name again? Um, his his name was Clever Hans, and he was a German horse. Okay, no, I haven't. <laughs> this was uh, this was back in 1904. Um, Clever Hans provoked an investigation into his wonderful abilities. Um, learned professors were convinced that Hans could work out his own solutions to mathematical problems and had a better knowledge of world affairs than most 14 year old children. Mm-hmm. However, psychologist Oscar Funks, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, soon determined that questioners, including Hans' trainer, were providing unintentional cueing to the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, Funks discovered that Hans began stamping when the questioner leaned forward to observe the horse's hoof and only stopped when that person relaxed after the correct number was given. Funk even played the role of Hans himself by wrapping his hand while friends posed questions. Of 25 questioners, all but two gave the beginning and ending cue without being aware of doing so. So in Hans's case, it was a cue that he was picking up on from the people who would ask the horse questions. Yeah, and and so the the horse it, it seemed he was getting a lot of the questions right, and I mean that in and of itself is still amazing yeah. that the horse could be that perceptive to tell when they leaned over or when they uh, relaxed their body a certain amount that he had hit the right answer. That's yeah. amazing to me right there. Exactly, but, he has to be that perceptive exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it just in his case, it wasn't anything so much of a supernatural thing. He was just very perceptive of the people. Um, and then there was another one. Let's see. This one, let's see. What type of animal was this? Um, a telepathic horse okay. <laughs> named Lady Wonder. Um, let's see. Uh, the... The scientists, let's see, in 1929, the man who actually later coined the term ESP, um, Dr. J.B. Ryan, was taken in by a supposedly telepathic horse named Lady Wonder. Ryan believed that Lady actually had psychic power, and he set up a tent near her West Virginia barn so he could scientifically study her apparent abilities. Lady was trained to operate a contraption, somewhat like an enlarged typewriter, consisting of an arrangement of levers that activated alphabet cards. Lady would sway her head over the levers, then nudge one at a time with her nose to spell out answers to queries. And it it was later discovered that there was something going on with that too, but I'm going to, you know, submit this on Facebook so you guys can read more into it. But she was another example of one where it wasn't exactly what it appeared to be. Okay. Okay. And I, I mean, I, I, I will, you know, buy into that. That some animals will pick up. It's not so much that they're they're telepathically, you know, connecting into that, but they're picking up on your cues, your body. You know, you don't realize that you're giving it because I think with boomers sometimes, 
So I and and I think I you know this I just believe he just knew. But there were time there was one time when we would when it was time for us to take him to the vet because I think he's the only dog that enjoyed going to the vet. Well, he enjoyed. I think it was more so that he knew he was getting ready to get in the car from go for a ride. More so than when he got to the vet because once he got to the vet, it became a different stroke. He was like, okay, I didn't want to do this, but it's just he knew that vet equaled car ride, so he would get happy. But it was like we even tried it because we noticed that. There were certain things that we would he would just he would just know because we would we wouldn't say anything about taking him to the vet we wouldn't do anything or whatever but he just automatically knew and he would get so excited and I'm like how do you know <laughs> how do you know this and I realized I was like well maybe because every time I would take him to the vet there were certain things you would have to do because you had to make sure he went potty so you have to say okay let's go out and go potty. And then I would always take my purse and put it up on the counter because I would have to get the dog treats and put them in a plastic baggie with some peanut butter so to make him a good boy and, you know, different things like that. So I'm thinking, well, maybe he's picking up on that. So I said, well, this morning I'm not going to do any of that, you know. I'm not going to take him out to potty until we're outside to go get in the car. I'm not going to put my purse up there. I'm going to leave everything back here, and I'm just going to walk through normally, like, you know, whatever, and so I don't know how he knew, but it took him a little longer. And maybe it was something I did, or maybe I don't even realize it was something I did that I normally do. But it took him a little longer, but he picked up. He was like, well, I'm going for a ride. I know. <laughs> and he just started his whole thing where he would start going through, okay, I need to go out and potty. Okay, I need to go get this. And so I don't even know if it was my cues that I didn't even realize I was giving him, that even the ones that I thought I was giving him, so I stopped it. And and maybe there were more that I didn't realize were there that he picked up on, just subtle ones. You know, I don't I don't know, but he just knew. He just knew. He there wasn't a one time that this dog did not know that he wasn't going to the vet. Or going he associated with going for a ride. We associated with going to the vet. But I think he associated with I'm going to get in the car. <laughs> I'm going to get in the car. And we all know dogs love their car rides. They oh. love being in a car. Oh, does he now? He loved it. <laughs> he loved it. If he could have driven, he would have been behind the wheel. You know what? I'm I'm not going to read about this one, but there there's a, another story about Jeff the talking mongoose. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, gosh. Okay. And, and and they and this one they they couldn't they couldn't disprove it they they couldn't disprove that Jeff wasn't talking he 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 allegedly spoke in complete sentences and he not only spoke English but many foreign phrases as well um and he he was particularly um close with uh this young girl of the the family that he lived with but Jeff was a character. Um, he used to toss stones at unwelcome visitors, and he also urinated through cracks in the wall. <laughs> this is a mongoose. This is this is a mongoose. And although he was partial to the family's twelve-year-old daughter, um, and allegedly lived in her room, he sometimes mischievously locked her inside with a lock that reportedly could only be accessed from outside the room. Um. <laughs> So psychic investigators actually thought that Jeff was a poltergeist or perhaps a ghost. <laughs> but um, Jeff, or apparently Jeff was just mischievous, you know, and he he just I don't know. But but they couldn't disprove it. I mean, they had people who came around and they were accusing the young girl of of ventriloquism, and she was throwing her voice and doing certain things. But in the end, they couldn't disprove that it wasn't Jeff. <laughs> wow. Jeff the mongoose that just Jeff said, you know what? We're gonna turn it up a little bit. <laughs> We're gonna turn it up a little bit. We're gonna make y'all think y'all are going crazy. I love so that one. That one's gonna be on the Facebook page. I just had to mention it because I was like, you go, Jeff. <laughs> I love that. Well, what about you know where they have the stories about the the family that that you know moves. And or or the family that goes on vacation and the dog gets lost while they're on vacation and the family returns back home and the dog's able to 
some kind of way manage to find their way back home. They've maybe gone to a different state and they've taken the dog or what have you with them and they can't the dog gets lost and all of a sudden the dog you know, they're, they've been back home and they're trying to find a dog and then the dog shows up sitting at the front door one morning and like, hey, you forgot me. <laughs> I came home by myself. Joe Drake kind of um, put that in what he was saying about his three things. One of the ones was a sense of direction and they kind of kind of tagged that into, you know how homing pigeons can find their yes. way back? To, they're kind of trying to ask the question, well, how are they able to find their way back to certain areas, you know, and they're like, it's over hundreds of miles, it's under, over unfamiliar terrain and different things like this. And some of them say, well, maybe it's because they have like this kind of, of, of compass within them or that has like a magnetic sense within them, mm-hmm. you know, where they can kind of, you know, sense their way back or whatever. But if you, and, but he said if you were to take a, a person, taken blindfolded to an unknown destination and give them a compass, you would know where north was or something to that effect, but not the direction of your home. So they would, you know, you could take them, you know, the whole compass thing, yeah, 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 but you could take them to a certain place and they could probably know, okay, like a person, you can know, you know, go in this direction, but how do they know how to get back to their house? How do they know how to get back to their loft or their little their little thing of that nature? And he, and the reason I'm saying all this is because one of his stories that he cites was about his father-in-law. Um, Sheldrake's father-in-law uh, had lived on a small farm, and he kept a watchdog named Sultan on that farm. And one day, his father-in-law became ill and had to be taken to the hospital by ambulance. And a few days later, unfortunately, he died. And then he was buried in the local graveyard, five kilometers, as they say, from the farm. Several weeks after the burial, the dog was not seen for days. They were like, where's Sultan? We don't know where he is. Where's he been? Mind you, you know, he was nowhere near the the burial. They didn't take him to to the funeral or anything like that. And it seemed very strange to them because he never would wander away. He never would leave, you know, that farm. But what, so, you know, they didn't make much of it until one Sunday a former employee came along who had lived near the graveyard and she told them, imagine when I came across the graveyard the other day, Sultan was laying at the family grave. And Sheldrake could not fathom or understand how he could have found all the way the five kilometers. There were no footprints of the former master that he could pick up on or or anything. Well, maybe, you know, maybe what he picked up on was something they didn't know. And he had never been taken to the graveyard, not even to the fields around in that area. Since he was there to keep watch at the house, he only stayed farm to keep watch at the house. So they were trying to figure out, how did he find the master's grave, his master's grave? And that was just something that they could not figure out. How does a dog who's never been to where where this, you know, grave site is pick up and actually, and the thing about it is, is not only is he picking up going and finding the, the, the cemetery, but he's going to the family's plot, the grave area, among all the other ones. And maybe it's smell, but, you know, it had been days, but I don't know. He's able to actually not only leave the farm, go find the graveyard area, but into the graveyard cemetery area, find that particular family plot. Now, see, there has to be something for that. Yeah. So that that was just one of those stories that I just found, like, amazing. Uh, just, like, how how does this happen? I mean, how do you explain this? I mean, is it smell? Is it a sense of smell that he's smelling? And they must really, I, I know dogs have a really, really powerful sense of smell compared to us, but I didn't think it was that powerful. Yeah, I mean, how how does this dog know where to go find where his owner is buried? When you've never pretty much left the farm, you've never, you know, gone, you don't know where, what direction, if you're leaving the farm, what direction you're going, where, you know, so how does this, you know, he has like, in his book, he has, like, many different stories. He talks of another one about the whole premonition thing, and he was talking about one day about um, his dog, Toby. Um, and he's kind of going in to explain, let's see, Sheldrick says that it is much harder to explain some of these incidents in which the pet truly seems to have a foreknowledge of something that's going to happen. 
an event for which there can be no sensory cues to pick up on. And he cited one example about his dog, Toby, and he was saying one morning his dog, Toby, tried to stop him from going out the front door. He par- he barged up against him. He leaned on the door. He jumped at me. He pushed me, which this dog, he said, was normally a quiet dog, a loving dog, and, and he knows his routine. And he would have been back within four hours. And he was making such a big fuss of trying not to let him go out of the house. He just did not want him to leave that house. Normally, he would, you know, his routine is he leaves the house. The dog's like, see you later. See you when you get back. But this morning, for some reason, he just wanted him not to leave the house. And it got so bad where he said that he had to lock, lock, um, lock him in the kitchen. And he was, like, screaming and howling and everything. And this was so out of his character. So he left about 7.30 a.m. And by 9.40 a.m., he was involved in a horrific traffic accident, which led to him fracturing his neck and his right arm and many other injuries. Oh, and so wow. He just kind of said in the future he listened to whatever Toby wanted him to. I bet he did. <laughs> he didn't want him to leave one more. He was like, you know what, Toby, I'm calling in today. I'm not going to go to wherever it is. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, I know there, there are other stories of where you probably have had the dogs kind of can maybe sense that something's going to happen and I don't want you to go, you know. Or maybe you can say, well, I'm, well I, I read a, a, saw something where the, the baby was in the backyard playing and the dog was up on the porch or he was in the house or something and, and he just kept trying to get outside. He needed to get outside. He needed to get outside to the baby and they didn't understand what was going on because they would look outside and they would be like, we don't, you know, we don't see anything. We don't whatever. And they would, would go out there and look, but they didn't see anything. But they let the dog go out and come to find out. The dog ran out there, and he went out into the yard and off into the bush area. And there was a, um, what was it, um, what's the deadliest snake, one of those brown snakes or something like that? Yeah. Was out in the yard coming towards the area where the child was. And he went straight out there and went straight to the thing and killed the snake. I'm telling you. You know, I'm telling you, I, I believe the animals because I have my own example, although I didn't stick around to see what the dog was barking at. I was I was visiting some of my husband's um relatives and they live in a um they live in the country and I just remember, you know, just being outside and I was going to my car to get something and and it was daylight, it was broad daylight, it was morning time. But um his grandmother has a lot of woods behind her house and everything. And I just remembered that um, his dad's dog, and it was barking at something, and it was looking toward the bushes behind the house. And mm. my policy is, you know what? I'm going to believe you, brother. So whatever <laughs> he was barking at, I wasn't going to stick around to see what it was because they've had um, bobcat sightings up there and different other kind of crap. So that's why I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take you at your word. And they all laughed at me for going back in the house so quickly because I just kind of scurried and went back up on the porch and went back in. And we never saw that he was really barking at anything. We couldn't prove that he saw anything in particular. And dogs bark for all types of reasons. Yeah. But I, I wasn't going to stick around to see. I'm sorry. <laughs> They, they said they have bobcats up there. I'm taking the dog at his word. He's upset about something, so I was gonna, wasn't going to find out. You're not going to go investigate it, Jay? You're not going to go walk over to see? Hey, boy, this ain't Scooby-Doo. <laughs> what you barking at, babe? What, you, what, is, what do you see there, fellow? <laughs> you were like, take your word for it. Something's out there. I'll see you later. You got it. You can handle it. You know what? I don't. I don't think he was tied up or anything. So I think he could have took off if he needed to. So I was like, hey, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck with whatever's going to happen, but I'm gone. <laughs> I'll go tell them that they you might need backup. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yo, yo, fight up, yo. If Missy acts peculiar and she doesn't want me to go somewhere, you know what? I, I'm going to consider it at least. I'm going to yeah. consider that something may really be wrong. Yeah. They, they know more than I just truly believe they know more than we do. Yeah. They're tuned into something. You know what? I'm so glad that I turned this into an hour episode because I started to do the 45-minute thing, but we needed this hour. We needed this hour. We needed it. Yeah, because there was still stuff I didn't get to talk about. I mean, this was so fascinating. But I guess the good thing is there will always be more opportunities to talk about this stuff so we can just 
save our other stuff for another time. Keep it going. We can keep it going. So everyone just make sure that you do tune in next week because we're going to continue with our um, October Pet Spooktacular series. And next week's episode is going to be creepy animal stories. So this should be good. Give us the animal sound right quick there, Jay. I mean, the, 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 the spooky sound. Spooky sound? The spooky sound? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 